0: Hello, welcome to Winging It Forward. I'm Dylan, a 20 year old, little bit liberal, been raised in the age of information. This is my co-host Mac.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm Mac, I'm uh, a lot older than 20 years old. I'm uh, almost 55 now. I am a product of the 60s and 70s, interested in learning more about what the millennials think about the discussions we're gonna have in this forum.
0: You know, I've always hated that term millennial. I really hate anything that, like, defines a generation. I feel like it's a little bit arbitrary. I feel like saying that the Baby Boomers and Generation X and the Millennials and the Silent Generation... It's just... I'm born in 1997, right? That's the cutoff. For the millennials and Generation Z. Why is it that if you're born a year later, you're part of an entirely different generation? I think that's a a bit
1: arbitrary. I think it's part of a marketing thing, actually, because I was born in 63. Not 1863. (laughs) uh, well, 1963. A lot of people think it was born in 1863. I could see the argument. (laughs) But I was born in 1963, and I'm part of, uh, they consider me to be part of the baby boomer generation which lasted from um, 1945 to 1965. I never considered myself to be a baby boomer so but I certainly understood you know that generation.
0: Although I can I say it's arbitrary I mean it makes sense you know the group characteristics can never be applied to the individual.
1: Yeah exactly and then and it harkens back to the individual versus the collective and uh, you know we all can only define ourselves rather than be defined by a group and a label. I agree with you on that. But yeah, Baby Boomer never fit me. I was always just an individual and I have a difficult time sometimes with following what the collective thinks that I should be doing at, my, at, at this stage of my life because I certainly haven't followed the Baby Boomer path.
0: No, I, I empathize with you. So anyways.
1: Sympathize because I'm just older than dirt.
0: <laughs> older than the dirt below the dirt. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: I'm like Bedrock. then, (laughs) all right.
0: And uh, today we're gonna be talking about universal basic income. In my opinion, I think that although it's not a perfect system, I view it as a very altruistic and almost egalitarian way of providing help to those that need it.
1: I think it's a bunch of crap. I really do think all we're really doing here with UBI is rebranding welfare. In other words, you take a bottle of wine, okay? and it tastes really good and then you want to impress your neighbors so you change the label on the bottle of the wine same wine but all you've done is relabel it and make it seem better when in fact it's the same
0: see i i can see where you're coming from but the way i would say is that instead of giving your neighbors a bottle of wine what you're doing is literally giving them the money to buy whatever alcohol they want versus forcing them to drink wine I think that's a key difference between welfare and UBI.
1: Well, I'm not certain I agree because you know, you know, there are several problems with UBI and this rebranding thing. First of all, as you said, I'm, I'm, I'm older than uh, the deepest dirt. So I'm getting ready to retire. I mean, I'm up for Social Security in about 10 years. And what's this going to do, Dylan, to Social Security?
0: Well, the thing is, all these government programs, Social Security, welfare, all the different government programs specifically targeted at the poor. let's just throw Social Security out for a minute. We spend over $1 trillion on safety nets. And while I believe that we should be helping these people rise up out of poverty, I think that that money is lost in the the complexities of the government, right? We have to pay people. To to distribute the welfare, we have to have places that people can discuss the the welfare that they're getting. We have to have government housing that is regulated and all these different things that money is put into that isn't being given to the people. Whereas with UBI, you just get a check in the mail. There's no industry. There's no um, bureaucracy. You just get the amount of money that has been given to you that you can spend on anything you want.
1: Yeah, and there's no work.
0: Right. For that. That's a fair point. It's a very fair point.
1: I mean, what about folks who can live on $1,000 a month? Right. Say you get an apartment or an efficiency for $500 a month and and then can live on that. What then is going to compel them to go out and spend their money? I mean, because in the end, they're not going to have a hell of a lot to spend on. I mean, they're not going to be able to boost the economy. They're not going to be able to contribute back to society because they can sit at home and play on their computer all day long and take their $1,000. And yeah, they'll have to buy groceries and things of that nature, but they are not producing anything and and they become complacent as a result.
0: I would just argue that that's almost a caricature of a lot of people that would be, everybody would be receiving universal basic income. So while there are those that would take advantage of it and just do nothing all day, of course that has to be accounted for. I personally have seen a study where they've tried it out in Canada and you can't you can't assess what would happen if everyone in the nation was given $1,000 a month based on a small set of people. However, of those people that were given universal basic income in Canada, only 1% decided to stop working. And most of that 1% was attributed to taking care of a family.
1: So you want America to become Canada? I'm not saying
0: I want America to become Canada. I'm just saying that the study was done in Canada.
1: I mean, does anyone know even where Canada is? I mean, what do they do? What do they do in Canada? I mean, they do nothing. What do they produce? I think they eat snow. And they eat a lot of donuts, donuts. and they're very friendly. I mean, <laughs> say you walk into a bar in Canada and you've had a couple of drinks and you accidentally walk back into someone. They are the ones who apologize to you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what does Canada do? They just sit up there, you know, they drink their Molson, their, what is it, 10% alcohol. And then they, you know, hunker down for the winter and, you know, they go to the doctor.
0: Wait in line for whatever,
1: but... Yeah, but then they don't come out with a bill. Right. And, and that, to me, is, is, is crazy because it just lends itself to more complacency. And is Canada, in my opinion, because of systems such as this, not a recognized power, economic power, or an industrial power in this country? When was the last time you saw something... Made in Canada. That's fair. You know, because they don't make anything. They mm. g- gather their funds and then they give it all away. And, and yes, they're very kind people. But uh, on the world stage, where are they?
0: I guess I'm just coming at it from a different angle of thinking about the welfare of people versus the position of our country on the world stage. You know, I, I personally would rather have everybody in the nation healthy, well, and safe than have power on the world stage
1: yes but power if we look back in history my friend okay okay and as you know I teach history I teach I've taught it at the high school level college level all these levels. power is something that happens continually Mm. the seeking of power in other words a revolution happens right okay somebody comes up with a better idea better mousetrap And convinces everyone to follow them. Mm. They're going to institute this new divine society. And in the end, there's a struggle for power. Someone, there's always bickering and, and things going on. And then... Things
0: are solidified and then
1: another revolution occurs? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it becomes cyclical. Yeah. So in, in America, which when we look at history, is so young... Yeah, I mean, it is a baby is running into the same kind of problem. And if we allow programs such as this to continue and even welfare to continue, I think we're going to eventually have the same problem. And once again, I just think we are taking a welfare system, which has become generational Mm. and it has become almost a cultural identity in some areas rebranding it and saying, hey, now you don't have to do nothing. You can just sit at home and play your video games and collect your $1,000 a month. And not only that, but I do think that eventually that $1,000 a month is gonna have to go higher. With inflation. Yes, and products are gonna cost more. Rent is gonna cost more. Food is gonna cost more. But my, my, what, what I don't understand is that where is that money coming from?
0: As some hate to, to, to think about, it, it's a redistribution of wealth. Of course, taxes would have to increase. But the main problem is, like as I said, we have a trillion dollars per year, per budget, that are being spent on safety nets that aren't doing their job. People in welfare, there's a common problem in safety welfare.
1: Safety nets such as what?
0: Welfare, there's a common problem. Let's say somebody is earning $800 a month in a welfare check. If they earn, if they take a job... Yeah,
1: not just $800, though.
0: They're getting food stamps. They're getting food stamps. They're housing, getting housing subsidies. Right.
1: They're getting everything else. Right. So, in effect, isn't this system already in place, I mean, but with a different name?
0: It's not. Because if you look at welfare, as I was saying, there are contingencies that welfare is built upon. If you begin to earn, let's say nine hundred dollars a month at a job you lose those benefits you lose the eight hundred dollars a month check you lose the completely subsidized housing you lose the food stamps and then you actually begin to make less because on top of that nine hundred dollars a month you're making at your job you have to pay for housing you have to pay for groceries you have to pay for all these different things that you were being helped with before so then it reinforces this laziness because. Why would I go out and exert myself to make more money if I'm just going to lose all the benefits that I have? And I think that's where universal basic income succeeds is by saying no matter what you do, no matter what job you have, no matter how much you make, no matter how much you pay in taxes, no matter where you live, you will always be guaranteed this money, this money that can be spent on food, on housing, on luxuries, on anything you want to spend it on.
1: Yes, but don't you think that eventually there are going to be restrictions put on what you can spend this
0: money on? I would be totally against that because I think that that is is against
1: the core value of it. You know, in utopia, yes, I agree that that people would do that. But the human condition says, hey, if I could sit home all day long and and do nothing for $1,000... I'll do it so I don't have to go out and get a job, but if this system doesn't allow you to continue getting that $1,000 even if you do go out and get a job, does it not stifle any real ambition to make even more? For example, you know, you look at all the mavericks in this country, you know, you look at the people who built this country. Right. They had nothing. They had nothing. Look at Andrew Carnegie. He came yeah. here to this country when he was 12 years old. You know, he made nothing. He was sweeping the floors at the Telegraph office, and he wanted the American dream, and he didn't get any help. This $1,000 a month may keep someone from, for example, going to school and doing something better with their lives. I mean, certainly, if someone came to me mm-hmm. and said, hey, look, you know, at my age, not that I'm a complacent person, but because I've always been a very driven person, but right. at my age and said, hey, prior to Social Security, all right, we're gonna give you $1,000 a month. Am I gonna cut back on my schedules and play a little more golf? Am I gonna do this? Am I gonna do that? Am I gonna get a nicer place to live? Am I gonna, you know, while maintaining that, but I'm still not producing anything. And I think it's part of the human condition that we need to produce something mm. and this system does not compel anyone in my opinion to produce anything
0: i can see where you're coming from because i've i've heard the argument before that it's it's stress and its hard times that create the innovation right it's it's people with their backs against the wall that have to figure something out that is the the burgeoning influence on innovation and on creation. However, I also believe that UBI would give people the the security that they need to be able to take risks. Let's say you work minimum wage retail, and you have nothing, you have no safety nets. How are you going to find the ability to find a job that you want to work in? Because if you quit and you go find that dream job that best suits your personality, you're not, you're going to run out of money in a month.
1: That's right. You will. When was the last time you were at Ellis Island? I've never been. You've never been to I've Ellis Island?
0: Been. My namesake, I've never been.
1: <laughs> You've obviously had family who've come through Ellis Island. Correct? Yes. Yes. My grandparents came through Ellis Island in the 30s. They had a couple of dollars to their name, they had nothing. And they eventually had nine children. How did they survive? There was no safety net. Yeah. They busted their asses. They took menial jobs. Yes, my grandfather did some pretty shady things, which he had to do, which many immigrants did in order to survive, but he never harmed anyone. Right. He was a, a part of the Irish sweepstakes, which for those of you know anything about Irish root stakes back in the 30s and, and 40s. It was really an operation that helped provide guns for the IRA. Okay, But these people worked their tails off only to survive, and then their children, and in, and in my father's case, you know, surrounded by eight brothers and sisters, They all saw what was going on. I mean, they used to have contests in their house to go through all the furniture just to find pennies and nickels and go out and buy a loaf of bread on Fordham Road in the Bronx. And for them, it was a game. And they didn't have a safety net. They had somebody knocking on their door, you know, once a month saying, hey, where's the rent? And they had to pay it. And these kids saw all this. And all nine of these kids went off to do incredible things with their lives. Without that, I think my grandparents would have come to this country and said, okay, you're each going to get $1,000 a month. You're each going to get $1,000 a month. They would have said, boy, in America, the streets really are paved by gold. Mm -hmm. Or paved with gold, rather. And they are not. America is a really cold, hard place to live. And it should be that way. Because without it being that way America becomes weak and with UBI I think America would become even weaker because what would happen to the armed forces what would happen to immigrants coming into this country saying hey I'm coming in here I get a thousand dollars a month I don't have to do anything and then how do you handle an immigration problem because you're gonna have a tremendous Tremendous immigration problem, are you not?
0: That actually, I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it. Um, that's a very fair point. People will definitely take advantage of the system as people take advantage of every system we have. There's an old Gandhi saying. I, I don't know if it's Gandhi or... or some, some Someone said it. They said, if we lock up 99 guilty people but also one innocent person, we have committed an egregious crime, right? If we cut every benefit we have that people can take advantage of just because there are those who take advantage of it? What happens to the other majority or even minority that need it to survive? I don't know that I would personally be comfortable with that. That's just my perspective on it though. I'm not saying that yours is invalid. I just say I come at it from, I would rather benefit all peoples, whether they be scammers, whether they be people who don't have any drive, if it means that those at the very bottom who want to reach the very top have the
1: ability to do so. Have you ever been at the bottom? I haven't no. I have been at the bottom. okay? I have been at the bottom and I grew up just like you in a very privileged home. But when I was in college, I couldn't couldn't live, I couldn't live on what I was trying to make as a bartender mm. and go to school at the same time. So I was eating ramen noodles and, and stealing ketchup from the McDonald's you know, and making spaghetti, mm-hmm. all right? And my two roommates, and we were barely, barely scratching by, we did the same thing. Now, would we have done what we have done with our lives if we had not been so poor? Because when one of us got a paycheck, I mean, a real paycheck, it was a big deal. And there was a sense of accomplishment, and in a sense that we provided something, and plus we were going to school at the same time. and I certainly have never been at the bottom bottom. I'm talking about, hey, you know, you're a college kid. You know, you don't have any money. Mm -hmm. I have two daughters who've who've been through this, even though I try to help them as much as I can. They understand that as well. But it only compels them to work harder. Again, I, I go back to where is the incentive? And which is my second point, the the incentive to work harder and strive harder, I just don't think is there. And I just don't think it holds water.
0: I mean, I disagree. I think that every person has incentive. It's not in human nature for somebody to get something and then be satisfied. Think about all the times that you have wanted to attain something and think about how many times after you've attained it, you've wanted to attain something else. We are not stationary creatures. We are always grasping at the next thing. We never want to stop. When we do, it only wreaks havoc on mental health. There are those that would be complacent and become stagnant. But I think that that's the slim minority of people. And I think that if you have a stepping stool that allows you to jumpstart that progress, it would only yield
1: more progressive people. A slim minority of the people. Yeah. A slim minority of the people. There are people out there who take advantage, and there are going to be a, a hell of a lot more than you think taking advantage of this. But let's get back to one thing. How is this going to be paid for? How is it going to affect Social Security? And then, of course, how would you ever get this by the House and the Senate, even if you had a Democrat in the White House? I mean, for example, Joe Biden is considering running for president, mm-hmm. correct? I believe so. I love Joe Biden. I'm a moderate Republican. I think Joe Biden is a great guy. But would even Joe Biden go for something like this?
0: I think in the current state of affairs in America, probably not. I think that with this negatively portrayed...
1: Yes, but why wouldn't Joe Biden go for something like UBI?
0: His background is that he was raised in an American society.
1: In a working class family in an
0: American society.
1: He that, was raised in a working-class family, working-class Catholic family, and he learned to work. He wants to help the workers of this country, but he doesn't want to give them things for free.
0: Well, I think that when, when people say that those that are working-class or those that even the homeless would get this universal basic income, and I think people tend to demonize those that are of lower stature. Because if you look at a homeless person, people will think, oh, I'm not gonna give him money, he's just gonna spend it on alcohol and booze and cigarettes. That turns out to not really be true. They've done studies where they've tracked money given to homeless people. The majority of homeless people spend it on food, they spend it on water, they spend it on survival.
1: Well, what about sponsoring programs where you build dorms, you take all the homeless people, you build dorms for them, you set up a factory, nearby, all right, you take all this money that you guys, guys, or you, Mm -hmm. and uh, supporters of UBI, want to put into this program, and you build a factory, and you you take homeless people in major cities uh, in the United States, You, you put this money to work, and you put these people in dorms, you feed them three square meals a day. And they learn a trade and then they end up working in the factory. Mm-hmm. And then their children eventually see that hard work pays off, that their once homeless parents are now out there earning a living and then eventually can get out of those dormitories. But, you know, getting this through, getting something like this through with any Democrat that I've ever heard of, I think is impossible because of the expense i just don't see anyone and i'd like for you to give me one democrat that you know or even a republican for that matter who would support something like this
0: well that's the thing is i think that in the political climate and in the cultural climate that we live in today i don't think that it could be passed in america although i do know of many european countries that are currently running uh studies on ubi and seeing if it will benefit people. I know of a study in Kenya where they are running universal basic income long-term, 45 years, they're giving these people the equivalent of $1,000 a month. And they're just going to test and see what happens to these individuals. So that's, you have me there. I don't think it could be passed in America currently. In fact, I'll even come out and say, I don't know if it would be a boon or if it would be a horrible, horrible thing but I'm optimistic. I believe in the system. I believe that this type of infrastructure, or rather lack of infrastructure, could be beneficial to many, many people that need it.
1: Yeah, but these scientific studies, they're scientific studies. They're not real life, real world implementation, correct?
0: I mean, but what else could you get that's even close to real-world implementation? Real-world
1: implementation.
0: But nobody would implement it in the real world if it hadn't been studied and hadn't been proven to be a successful system.
1: Yes, but it still it becomes then speculative, because you you see, I mean, what what kind of results are we looking for if we look if we take one community mm-hmm. and introduce UBI to it? What numbers are we looking for? That we think it would be successful. I mean, what is what percentage of successful outcomes would you be looking for where you think it would be successful?
0: I think it would anywhere? be successful increasing quality of life. I think it would be successful at increasing job negotiations. There's a lot of thought that believes that let's say let's say you're cleaning sewers currently and you want a raise or you want a better working condition. Well, what leverage do you have? versus if you have UBI, you can say well I need better working conditions or I will leave. They will, will actively see that, that you could easily leave. So I believe that it will increase working conditions. I also believe that it will increase the GDP. If more people have more money to spend then the gross domestic product increases. They've done a study that shows that for every working-class low-wage earning person, that receives an extra dollar in income, the GDP benefits $1.39, right? But for every high-earning household, high-earning person that receives one extra dollar, the GDP only benefits $0. $0.39 or $0.39, cents, I believe. You can see it in spending habits. People on the lower end of the spectrum spend much, much, much more money than people on the higher end of the spectrum.
1: Well, let me ask you a question. What's wrong with cleaning sewers?
0: There's nothing wrong with cleaning sewers. But if we're making people get into muck and making people get disease and having them have an unhealthy working condition, I think that that's a problem.
1: Well, who's going to clean the sewers then? They're not going to clean themselves.
0: No, but they can they have more leverage to argue for better job quality. Right? They can ask for more protection. They're getting $1,000 a month. Therefore they have leverage so that they could leave if the working conditions don't improve.
1: Yeah, but then everybody gets $1,000 a month. Who's going to clean the sewers? Who's going to lay the brick? Who's going to pave the streets? Who's going to cut the grass? Who's going to do all these menial chores? Who's going to work at McDonald's? I believe that people would still work. As I said before, I believe
0: that the human condition allows for people to always want more. That's my opinion, though.
1: Let me tell you something. Okay. When my grandfather came to this country, he probably would have killed for a job to clean sewers but he couldn't find one. He couldn't find a job like that. He would love to have worked for the city because he wanted a better life. I mean, if, if anyone knows anything about Ireland in the early to mid-20th century, it's a very difficult place to live. And cleaning sewers, he would have done it in a heartbeat. And I think that if we give $1,000 to a person, say two people are cohabitating, that's $2,000 a month. Are they going to clean sewers?
0: If it's what they choose to do.
1: Yeah, but what if, what if they choose not to clean sewers, or pick up garbage, or do any of the menial tasks that we see every day with people struggling only for the fact that they are probably new to this country, all right, and are taking those jobs for what? For money. Not just for money, your college was paid, but probably before you were born. Is that correct?
0: Well, it, it was paid from a settlement that I earned from being sick. But
1: Right. Okay. But if that sickness, had, if that illness had never happened, your college still would have been paid.
0: Most likely. Okay. Most
1: likely. Well, these people come to this country hungry and looking for a better life for their children. And if we look at immigrants, even coming to this country today, I mean, people are out here all the time cutting the grass and they're Hispanic, and most of them are from Mexico, and I offer them bottles of water all the time. They're wonderful. They don't speak English, Mm. but why are they, why do they have eight people in a one-bedroom apartment someplace, all working for a landscaping business? Why? Because they want to provide a better life for their children because their children now get a public education.
0: So why then would giving them more money not want them to provide a better life for their children?
1: It would make them, it would increase, I mean, the immigration rate would go through the roof, in my opinion. And those same folks wouldn't be out there cutting the grass anymore. And their children would see them being complacent at home and say, hey, I'm just going to get on the same ride.
0: See, I I don't believe that that would happen because although people are earning more money and likely more jobs would be created because people would be able to start businesses with the money they earn, it's not like every job that everybody ever wanted would exist. People would still have to take jobs that they didn't want to necessarily have as a career because it would allow them to have an even better life. You don't see a millionaire make a million dollars and say, well, this is all I ever want to earn. You see them want to make a billion dollars look at Amazon Jeff Bezos right he doesn't just decide to make less money he's he's one of if not the wealthiest person in the country he doesn't decide to say well I guess we'll just cut the fees and let people have things for free from Amazon he says well I need to make more money I need to be hungry and I need to continuously improve my standing in the country and in my monetary value so I want to make more I want to grow my company why is somebody who, who cuts the grass, whether they're Hispanic or not, that doesn't really matter. Why would they feel the need to just stop if they're getting this money? They would want. I believe that they would want to provide an even better life for their children, and they would take that money and allow them to argue and have more leverage to get a better job, and if not get a better job, have a better working condition.
1: Yes, but where did Jeff Bezos come from? America. Oh, obviously. Yeah. But don't you, do you think, I mean, unlike our current president, Who was given a
0: small loan of a million dollars. A small
1: loan of how much?
0: A million dollars. A million dollars.
1: Yeah. Joe Biden wasn't given that. Uh, Barack Obama certainly wasn't given that.
0: He worked his ass off.
1: And and once again, I'm not a Democrat, okay? Can you imagine these folks being in that position if they had this? I don't think so. I, I just am not convinced because, in other words... And this is going to knock your socks off.
0: Okay. Well, I'm not wearing any, so I'm prepared.
1: (laughs) You're not wearing any socks. How incredibly gauche. (laughs) What are you thinking about? I'm a Floridian, man. That's all we do. (laughs) Flip-flops and jeans. You come to this country. You don't have the means that you have now. There is no UBI. What do you do?
0: I guess I would have to take under the table work. Because you can't really get a job That's right. without having an apartment. That's okay. one of the reasons that homelessness is so bad. But
1: So, you come to this country. you You have to take money under the table. You don't speak English. And you become a dishwasher. In New York City. You literally sleep in the restaurant in the back. The owner is kind enough. You come to this country. And you're a dishwasher. And then, eventually, guess what you get to become? server a bus boy a bus boy. Okay. a bus boy you're out there every day uh, you know collecting plates and resetting tables and things of that nature and the in in the meantime you're learning to speak english and at the end of your shift the waitresses come up to you and what do they give you tips tips mm-hmm. they give you a share of their tips for setting up you know breaking down and setting up their tables now 20 years later, you're the owner of the restaurant. You came to this country with nothing. No handout, you had a couple of bucks in your pocket, you ended up staying in the back, you washed your hair in the sink in the men's room, and you slept on this little cot, and you eventually owned the entire restaurant because the owner became so endeared to you that you owned the restaurant. Now, what does that show your children?
0: drive and ambition
1: right because the children grow up in that restaurant they work there and what do they then do they go to college because the father is saying the reason i came to this country is because i wanted a better life for my children i didn't want them to have the same life i had Mm -hmm. and yes now after 20 25 years i own this place But I want you to go to college now, and I want you to become an engineer, or I want you to become a doctor. God help us, don't become a lawyer, (laughs) you know. And if you do become a lawyer, become an immigration lawyer. But you see what I mean? Uh, It's just, you know, it's not just how this is going to be paid for. It's we are losing our incentive to produce. I
0: I can see where that mindset would come from. I just don't think that we would lose that incentive. We would just have a stepping stool to be able to do more things, right? You look at the horribly impoverished people. How do they start out, right? Some of them are lucky enough to get that break and be able to be paid under the table. What about those that aren't? What about those that are born in slums? What are they even supposed to do? Maybe they resort to selling drugs to make money to be able to feed themselves. People don't sell drugs because they want to sell drugs. People sell drugs because they want money to be able to live with. What happens then when we allow them to live somewhat comfortably and give them a trampoline to catapult themselves into the economy? I don't know. I don't know what would happen. And I think I would, I would really believe that only good things would come of it. But I know there's good and bad with both systems. I know as you said, it's sort of opened my eyes more to the fact that there would definitely be people that would abuse the system. Yes. Definitely, without a doubt.
1: Well, I mean, if if we look at drugs, where do most drugs come from? In most cases, I mean, if you, you're a millennial. Right. <laughs> and I know you hate that term, and I'm going <laughs> to say it just to piss you off. Uh, but if you... At your age, you're a college student, Right. wanted to buy drugs right now, where would you go? To my friend who sells drugs. And where is this person normally located?
0: Well, I, yeah, I don't want to get into specifics, but...
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, you know, if you look at the south sides of, of all cities, I mean, right. let's look at South Chicago, for example, where more folks have died... From violence and gang violence. Yeah, and gun, then yeah. have died in, in, in war. the wars in Afghanistan yeah. and uh, Iraq. Horrible, but, but go on. Terrible, terrible, terrible things that are going on there. Now, a lot of those folks are products of what?
0: Their environment.
1: They're products of what? Not just their environment, but they live in what kind of housing?
0: I would think government-owned housing. Yes
1: and they are in what system the welfare system they're in the welfare system but it's not enough for them no so what do they do they sell drugs they sell drugs so what you're saying then is hey let's give them an extra thousand dollars okay which is not enough for them to live the lifestyle they already have Mm -hmm. on welfare and is that going to solve the drug problem in this country
0: I would say that, I don't know. But I mean, how,
1: how, how, how can we even speak for a person who does
0: that? Right, right. And my the way my thought pattern is working, I would think that one of the main contributors to them selling drugs is that if they do try to get a job, they'll lose their welfare. But if they sell drugs, they can make money on top of the welfare that they're already earning. Therefore, completing a reward circuit of, well, they well, losing then. money...
1: They're already doing that, aren't they?
0: Right. But if you if you cut the ties that are associated with welfare and you just give the person money, I think that those already surrounded in that lifestyle would probably continue. But I think those coming up wouldn't necessarily see it as their only avenue of success. I think that they could process in their minds, oh, I don't have to sell drugs for a living. I don't have to make sure that I buy cocaine and resell at an increased price. In order to feed myself and feed my family they can say oh i have this thousand dollars a month i have this ability to live comfortably
1: at a thousand
0: dollars a month not comfortably i have this ability to live without the need to scrape by check to check if i'm if i'm able to manage the money why then do i need to risk my own life risk my safety risk my family's safety and go and sell drugs when I could get a job that would offer me money on top of the money I'm already getting in a safe environment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a bunch of hoo-ha.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Because you, we're, we're talking about generation after generation of generation after generation who have, who have become hooked into a welfare system. We're just, once again, rebranding it and we're saying, hey, Instead of $800 a month, you're going to get $1,000 a month. But what's $200 a month going to do? In your opinion, it seems to me, that it's going to totally enlighten them. They're going to say, hey, I'm saved by this $200 a month. I'm not going to make $5,000 a month anymore selling drugs. I'm going to take that $200 and I'm going to go to a local community college and I'm going to be someone. Oh, my, what a revelation. Do you really think that's going to happen? Listen, baby
0: boomer, the straw man tactic is <laughs> going to work on me, okay? I don't think that it's necessarily the money that's going to improve their situation. I think that it's the the almost puppet-like strings that are tied to these people that need to be cut. Whether you want to do it with the current with the current welfare system or not, whether you only want to give universal basic income to those in the lower class or not, I still think that the the strings attached to welfare are one of the main problems contributing to this issue. Sure, it's a safety net, but there's also a ceiling, like I explained earlier, that prevents them from breaking through that lower class. If they get a real job, they're going to lose their welfare benefits.
1: Good. Why? Let me tell you something. President Obama repealed workfare. I think workfare was probably one of the best things that ever happened to this country because everyone can do... Something Right. Okay. I am on, say I am a person who is in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. which I'm not, obviously. You right. Know, I walk and, you know, I get around and, right. you know. But just say I am and I'm on welfare. But I have a telephone at home and I'm on welfare and I get food stamps. Well, what do they call that? EBT uh, cards. EBT cards. But I have a telephone. Can I not get a headset for my telephone? and sit in my wheelchair for eight hours a day and answer phone calls working for the government. Easily. Yes, because I could still, I still have speech, Mm -hmm. and I still have cognition in my brain, right? and I can read all the questions that this person is calling me, working, you know, once again, working for the government, saying... I have a question regarding this. Okay, well, I'm sorry I can't answer that question, but I can patch it through to someone who can. Mm-hmm. Everyone can do something. Exactly. And not only that, but but I think it's important to note that people who continue to work beyond retirement mm-hmm. live longer. Yeah. Why? Because they get up every morning and they have something to do. Exactly but with workfare which i think should be reintroduced because i don't think ubi stands a chance in hell of ever happening as, as you even agreed to in this country i think workfare is the answer and i think that really should be the discussion here now how would you how would you argue against workfare
0: i would argue that it it forces people to do things right i think that UBI is a much more libertarian implementation of welfare because with workfare correct me if I'm wrong you apply for workfare and the government gives you a job to do am I wrong that's correct well well it, work there's no such
1: thing as work well, right
0: so why is that better than taking a self-reflective look at yourself and saying this is what I do best this is what I will do. This is what I will provide for the country. What if that person in a wheelchair who could be answering telephones is an incredible handyman who has the ability to repair things, but instead of being placed in a repair shop, he's placed in a telephone job?
1: Well, there would obviously be vocational skills training or, or current vocational. You know, I mean, say somebody is in a wheelchair, but they were a machinist. Mm-hmm. Can they still go to a machine shop And work from sitting down? Yes. Can they work eight hours? Probably not. Right. Okay. But can they pay for what they're getting? And then perhaps on top, we can go back to UBI and say, can they get more? And how could they get more? By producing more. Now they have an incentive. They have an incentive. They're saying, okay, well, I'm pumping out 10 of these Cylinders. They're 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 in a machine shop. Quota is, is ten a day. Mm-hmm. But if I produce twelve a day, I get an extra forty dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Forty dollars. I'm working five days a week. That's two hundred dollars. That's eight hundred dollars a month. I'm getting a thousand dollars with my UBI or my welfare, which I'm getting eight hundred. Cheapers. Why don't I get more therapy with my universal health care I'm getting and maybe eventually produce 15 or 20 and get off of all of that and work here for as long as I can. It's competition and it would compel people to do more, correct?
0: I believe so, but I don't see how adding more money would cause people to lose incentives. I just that doesn't work with my brain because I've never in my entire life I've taken a hard look at my life over the past few weeks preparing for this discussion and never in my life have I gotten something I wanted and just been completely satisfied maybe it's a a personal thing but never just been completely satisfied and said this is the last thing I'll ever need for example when I got out of high school I didn't say this is it this is what I this is I'm okay with this I'm okay with just having a degree I personally Wanted to improve my education to the highest level that I could take it. Would I have been okay with just a high school degree? In the current economic climate, I don't know. Would I be okay with just a college degree? Probably. But I want to go as far as I can go in the field I want to go in. Right? I don't want to stop. I don't ever want to stop learning. Even if it doesn't mean getting another degree, I want to continue to improve myself. And I don't know that a $1,000 a month would stop that.
1: I think it would. And, and I think the reason why you want to improve yourself is for what?
0: For a better standing in, in society.
1: Exactly. You know, you don't want to fall into the gutter. Right. Which is where sometimes we have to fall. Right. And we have to pick ourselves up and we have to get back to work. And with UBI, I think that would take that incentive away. I disagree. Because if you want to do all these things you want to do, obviously you want to finish your college degree. I am not certain you would do that if you had UBI, especially with scheduled increases every year due to cost of living. I'm just not certain if I were 20 years old, yes, I always wanted to be educated, but when I went to college, I didn't think about how much money I was going to make because once again, I came from a very similar background to right. rather privileged life. You know, my father's a mathematician, you know, yada, yada, yada. My mother's nurse. Nice life. Okay, suburbs, beautiful home in the suburbs of Minneapolis. But maybe I would have said, after I got my college degree, I'm going to sit at home and I'm going to write a book. And I'm going to take 10 years to write this book. All while getting $1,000 a month. Living in my parents' basement. And at the end of 10 years, I'm now 28. Or No, I'm now now 32, right? My book doesn't get published. So what do I do? I have no work experience. I have no real incentive. I have an unpublished book. What do I do then?
0: I can't say what you would do. But what I can say is that in my personal experience, as I said, I I was sick when I was younger, and I did get compensation for that sickness. Mm -hmm. I personally... Have the ability to basically subsist off of that money I could easily subsist off that money till the day I died
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I don't want to I have drive and ambition to actively produce something and make people happy and make something of myself even though I have the ability to just sit back and just eat and sleep and consume mm-hmm. I don't want to did I have those thoughts when I was younger yeah but when i turn hit a certain age a switch went off and i just cannot stop actively trying to better myself and actively trying to produce and make something of myself mm-hmm. maybe that's just me maybe i'm taking it personally but i'd like to think that i'm not alone in that drive and ambition you know
1: well i, I think it's uh, it all depends on how you grew up but let me ask you a question yeah I remember back in the 90s. And by the way, that was a very nice story. Thank you. I almost wept. You know, Here's some tissues. It's your troubled childhood. You know, I, mean, I feel awful about it. I just don't know how I survived it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back in the 90s, uh, President Clinton, as I recall, he lowered welfare benefits. And guess what happened to employment? It went up. Now... For those of you at home, you can look it up. When uh, President Clinton, and yeah, I mean, he was kind of a goofy president, and he did a lot of crazy things, but he actually lowered the welfare, and employment went up. So what you're trying to do with this UBI argument is you are trying to say, hey, let's put more fuel on the fire. Do you really think that employment is going to go up? I just, I, I don't see it, because... We want to see a test instead of speculation, Well, mm-hmm. we could see that in the 90s.
0: But it's a completely different system. There's so many other factors, like the factor of if it's lower, then people aren't losing as much when they get employed, versus if it's higher, people would lose money if they're working versus subsisting off welfare.
1: I just disagree. I, uh, I, uh, anyway. But that's okay. Let's get, to, let's get to my last thing that okay. I wanted to talk about. This thing is going to be massively expensive. That's true. First of all, the first question I have for you is, will this further turn America into a welfare state? I don't believe so. You don't believe so? I don't believe so. Okay. Why?
0: For the reasons I outlined before. For the sole fact that instead of causing people to have a ceiling, they now have a floor that they can jump off of.
1: What about working Americans? What about middle class Americans who get in there out of their nice cozy little homes every day and drive to work? Are they gonna be the ones who pay for this?
0: Well, I would assume it would mostly be from the upper 1%, from corporations, from those who get taxed at an incredibly low rate compared to what they were taxed at before. Let's go back to 1950 when um, people in the upper 1% were taxed 90% of their earnings above $100,000. That's an entire other discussion, but how do you think we afforded the infrastructure that we
1: have? Why do you think
0: we're in debt now?
1: So you're saying that the people who have worked the hardest should be taxed the hardest. I mean, I'm not talking about President Trump, who was given a million dollars. I'm talking about Joe Schmo, who had nothing... I mean, look at a guy like Warren Buffett. Right. He had nothing.
0: And he he invested and he worked. And
1: and... he built something from nothing. Mm -hmm. He worked his tail off. He's never lived a luxurious life. All right. And he wishes to give away all his money. But how can he give away all that money if he's going to be taxed so much for something that he built on his own without any help from anyone? What I mean, I mean, there are so many folks like that out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Mike Dell. I mean he started Dell Computers in his college dorm. The kid didn't have any money.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay? So you're asking the top 1%, well, yeah, there are certain uh, members of the top 1% who inherited their money and then they just they built on it. But what about the people who started from nothing? Where then becomes the goal? And why should they be taxed even more for something that they have busted their tails for, that they've dedicated their lives for, that they've spent time away from their families for? Because they've given that extra mile. They've ran that extra lap. They've done everything they possibly could. Why to provide a better life for their families? Why penalize a majority of whatever? Everyone talks about the 1%. And why, again, punish the people who have had that incentive in order to give to people who have done nothing? Have they done nothing, though? Has the person who... Outside of being born? Have, has, and, and and the age limit on I mean, this is, what, 18? Is that right? How many jobs did you have before you were 18? Two. Two. Mm-hmm. I had... I started working when I was 12. So you had two jobs before you were 18. How did you feel about those jobs?
0: Personally, the first one I had, I was a salesman. It was stressful. It was hard, but I was rewarded for it. And I busted my ass. I worked two months out of the summer from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., making calls, going on appointments, seeing people, working on my skills. That's all I did for two months, and I was successful at it. Would I have rather stayed inside all summer and played video games? I don't think so, because you know what? I got a sense of accomplishment from that job that I hadn't had since I had been born.
1: Well, then why didn't you stay with her for 12 months?
0: Personal issues. Girlfriend broke up with me, got depressed, but uh, yeah. Oh, you don't have to. No, it's okay, it's okay.
1: But when you have a family, can you leave a job like that? Because your no. incentive is what? Incentive is to provide more for my family. Yeah, and can a $1,000, if you have kids under 18, $1,000 a month provide for your family without you going out there and busting your stones? Absolutely not. I'm going to wrap what I think oh. Okay. I think this is just putting a twist. I just think this is rebranding welfare. I truly believe that incentives work. I have no idea how this is going to be paid for. I don't know any Democrat that even supported this. I just believe in the work ethic Mm -hmm. and that we all have to work in order to survive. Mm -hmm. And there's no free ride. Do I agree with... UBI. In a utopian society, I think it would be great. I mean, if you look at country, uh, I think there's a couple of countries in uh, the Middle East where people get guaranteed incomes because of the oil reserves. I just, I'm not buying it. You know, the studies they've done, as you've cited, I think that's all just pure speculation as to what the results are going to be. That is, that. those are my concluding thoughts.
0: Well, I can definitely see where you come from, and you raise some very good points. I'm still pretty steadfast in my belief that it's a better version of the welfare system we have today. It wouldn't de-incentivize people from working, because that's not how people operate in my belief, psychologically. It would raise people out of poverty. It would allow people to participate in the economy. And that's one of the best ways to grow a nation's GDP. How do we pay for it? It's another question. We could tax, we could cut military spending, but that's a whole other issue. It's a tough thing to pay for, I'll admit to that. It would be nearly impossible to get it past congress in our current state of affairs i'll admit to that but i still stand by that i believe that it could be a great thing
1: and i admire your beliefs because i think when i was your age i would have felt the same way
0: and i value your concerns because without them the idea could just run rampant and we would have no idea of what the negatives could be so i really do value your concerns
1: well thank you so much for the discussion
0: thank you it was great if you'd like to to send us an email or ask us a question or just say hello, tell us who you are. Um, You can reach us at wingingitforward at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at at P-E-R-R-Y underscore D-Y-L. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Dylan out.
1: So long, everybody. This is Mac.